0: CHAPTER NINE OF THE MERRY-GO-ROUND BY THE BOOSOM THIRD MORM. THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. A few days later, Bassett was married, and Frank, who had assisted him in the rather sordid proceedings of the registry office, going back to his rooms, found Reggie Bassett comfortably lounging in an armchair, with his long legs on another. By his side was Frank's cigarettes and a whiskey and soda. I see you make yourself at home, my friend. I was passing this way, and hadn't got anything particular to do, so I thought I'd look in. My mamma thinks your society good for me. Got your wedding over? What do you know about it? Asked Frank sharply. More than you think, my boy? Answered Reggie, with a grin. The mater told me it's a solemn warning. She says Ken's married a barmaid, and it's the result of keeping bad company and going to pubs. What do he do it for? If I were you, I'd mind my own business, Reggie. If it's because she's in the family way, it's a bawly ass. If I got in a mess like that, I'd see the lady short before I married her. I have some work to do, my friend, said Frank shortly. You would show discretion if you took yourself off. All right. I'll just have another drink, he answered, helping himself to the whiskey. I'm going out to tea with Mrs. Castilian. Frank pricked up his ears, but said nothing. Reggie looked at him, smiled with great self-satisfaction, and winked. Smart work, ain't it, considering I've only known her a fortnight. But that's the right thing with women. Rush them. I saw she was smitten the first time we met, so I made a dead set for her. I knew she was all right, so I just told her what I wanted. By Jove, she's a little baggage. I've come to the conclusion I like ladies, Frank. You don't have to beats about the bush. You just come to the pond at once, and there's no blasted morality about them. You are a philosopher, Reggie. You think I'm rotting, but I'm not. I'll read you the letter she wrote me. By the way, I'm going to give her your address, in case the mater stops anything. If letters come for you here, my friend, they shall be promptly returned to the postman. You are a low blackguard. It wouldn't hurt you, said Reggie crossly. "'but if you think they'll stop her writing, it won't, "'as I shall just have them sent to my Kramer's. "'I say, I must read you this. "'It's rather funny.' "'Reggie took from his pocket a letter "'on which Frank recognised Mrs. Castilian's large writing. "'Don't you think he's playing it rather low "'down to show the private letters which a woman has written you?' "'What?' cried Reggie with a laugh. "'If she didn't want anyone to see them, she oughtn't to have written. With manifest pride he read part of an epistle which would have left the president of the divorce court few doubts as to the relations between the happy pair. The wretched woman's love tickled his vanity, and to him the pleasure lay chiefly in boasting of it. He uttered with rolling emphasis certain expressions of endearment. Yours till death, he finished good lord what rot women write and the funny thing is that it's always the same rot but there's not much doubt about this is there she's as far gone as she can be amiable youth said frank does your mother know that you have struck up an acquaintance with mrs castilian rather at first her mater thought her a bit vulgar but she looked her up in the landed gentry and when she found out her grandfather was a lord she thought it must be all right the mater's is a bit of a snob, you know. Her governor was in the city, and she's got it into her head that the Castilians will ask us down to Dorsetshire. By God, if they do, I'll make things hum. Reggie looked at his watch. I shall have to be scooting, or we shall be late for tea. Aren't you supposed to be working? Yes, but I can let that wait, you see. I'm not going up for the exam next time. The mater gave me the fees, and I blew to them, so I shall just tell her that I've got through. It'll be all right in the end. Isn't that very dishonest? Why? asked Reggie, with surprise. She keeps me so devilish short, and I must have money somehow. It'll all be mine when she pecks out, so it can't matter, you know. Or what about the little lady you died with on Saturday? Oh, I've chucked her. I think Mrs. Castilian will be more economical. She's got lots of tin, and I'm blowed if I see why a man should always be expected to fork out for women. You're trying to reconcile two contradictory things, my boy, love and economy. Reggie marched off to Bond Street, and finding that Mrs. Castilian was not yet arrived, began to walk up and down. But having waited half an hour, he grew annoyed, and it was with no smiling countenance that he met the pretty little lady when at length she drove up. "'Have I kept you waiting?' she asked airily. "'Yes, you have,' he answered. "'It's good for you.' She tripped in, and they ordered tea. "'I can't possibly eat those cakes,' she said. "'Tell them to bring some more.' The next plateful was as little to her taste, and she called for a third. "'I think I like the first lot best after all,' she said, "'and these were produced.' You might have taken one of them straight away, instead of disturbing the whole place, exclaimed Reggie, very peevish himself, but peculiarly impatient of that defect in others. That woman has nothing else to do. Why shouldn't I disturb her? And she was very impotent. I have a good mind to report her. If you do, I shall go and say that she was nothing of the sort. This is a disgusting place. I can't think why you suggested it. Anyhow, I'll have some sweets to make up. Looking round, she saw a box of chocolates elaborately decorated with ribbons and artificial violets. You can get those for me. I love sweets, don't you? Yes, when somebody else pays for them. She threw back her head and laughed boisterously so that people turned around and looked. Reggie grew vexed. I wish you wouldn't make such a row. Everyone's staring at you. Well, let them. Give me a cigarette. You can't smoke here. "'Why not? That's a woman over there smoking.' "'Yes, but she's no better than she should be. "'Nonsense. It's Lady Vizard. "'It's only your friends in Piccadilly who are always thinking of propriety. "'They're so afraid of not behaving like ladies, "'and you can always tell them because they're so prim. "'Mrs Castilian, powdered and scented, "'was dressed in the most outrageous taste. "'But no one could have been more fashionable.' And she displayed uncommon sagacity when she said that her flaunting manners alone distinguished her from persons of easy virtue she looked across at lady visard no less strikingly attired but with a sort of flamboyant discretion which marked the woman of character she sat with the young lord de capi and mrs castilian told reggie the latest scandal about the pair you know she's mr Kent's mother don't you by the way, is it true he married a creature off the streets? Yes, said Reggie, Celia. He gave a vivid account of the affair according to his lights, and accountably, for Frank and Miss Leigh, both highly discreet, alone knew the circumstances. Basil's adventure in very elaborate form was current among all his friends. I say, Reggie, will you come to the play to morrow? lazy lace got a box for the bell of petersburg and she's asked me to bring my man am i your man asked reggie why not it sounds barley i should have thought it meant your valet at this mrs Castanian laughed as she spoke at the top of her voice so that people to reggie's confusion again turned round how prim you are is it your mamma's bringing up reggie she's rather an old you know thanks but i intend to ask her down to jayston for christmas we're going to have a house-party and i mean to get miss Ley and dr Hurrow. i don't like him much but miss Ley won't come without him pity she's not younger isn't it they could talk philosophy to more purpose and they say she has a passion for young men i wonder what she does with them do you think she was very gay in her youth she's a regular ripper you know, know that answered reggie remembering the frequent tips which in his school days the generous creature has slipped into his hand. I'm sure there was something, expostulated Mrs Castilian, or she wouldn't have lived so long in Italy. My mother thinks her about the strictest woman she's ever known. I wish you wouldn't keep thrusting your mother down my throat, Reggie. It's bad enough having to put up with Paul's, without getting yours as well. I suppose I shall have to ask the old cats for Christmas. She's awful, but as rich as they make them and she get on with your mother first-rate. Let's go, I'm sick of this hole. When Reggie asked for the bill, he found a box of chocolates cost fifteen shillings, and, preferring to spend his money exclusively on himself, was consequently none too pleased. Mrs. Castilian had kept the cab, and offered to drive her cavalier to Grosvenor Gardens, where she was going for a second tea i've had him a good time she said when they arrived you'd better give the driver five bob good reggie mind you not late tomorrow where shall we die i don't mind as long as it's cheap she said ruefully handing the cabman five shillings oh i'll send you a dinner said mrs castilian all right he answered his face brightening let's go to the carlton then mrs castilian skipped into the house and Reggie, who hated walking, to save money, trudged sulkily home to Sloan Gardens. Frank showed much wisdom when he asserted that love and economy went seldom hand in hand. "'It's cost me over a quid,' he muttered. "'I could have died in matched three times for that, "'and I'm blowed if she's so damned of vulgar as that little baggage.' But next day he met her in the carlton the vestibule, and they sat down to dinner. The waiter brought him a wine card." what would you like to drink he asked something frizzy this entirely agreed with reggie's ideas and since he was not to pay the bill he took care to order the champagne he liked best which was by no means the least expensive flattering himself on his educated palate he drank the wine with added satisfaction because the price was high mrs castilian overpowdered with somewhat the look of a faded rose arranged under careful lights in a shop window to delude the purchaser that he had still his first freshness, was in high spirits, pleased with her own appearance and with that of the handsome youth in front of her, languid as sensual as the wicking Adam of Michelangelo. She talked very quickly in an excessively loud voice. Reggie's spirits rose with the intoxicating liquor, and his doubts whether an amour with a woman of distinction was quite worth while, were soon dissipated looking at the costly splendour of her gown the boy's flesh tingled and his eyes rested with approval on the diamonds about her neck and in her yellow hair it was a new sensation to die with a well-dressed rich woman in a crowded restaurant and he felt himself with pride a very gay lothario handing something he touched her fingers don't she said you give me the shivers and seeing the effects she created Mrs. Castilian displayed all her arts and graces. Confound this theatre. I wish we weren't bound to go to it. But we are. Lady Paperlay is going with her man, and we've got to chaperone her. It pleased Reggie to sit in a box with a person of title, and she knew it would gratify his mother. Why don't they make your hubby a baronet? He asked ingeniously. My mother-in-law won't fork out, you see. Poor ain't what you might call genius, his love for handle to his name, but the price has gone up lately, and the baronet is one of the few things you have to pay for money done. Reggie's appetite was large, and he went through the long dinner with huge satisfaction. When they arrived at dessert, he lit a cigarette and gave a sigh of contented repletion. Yet people say the pleasures of the intellect are higher than the pleasures of the table he sighed he looked at mrs castilian with heavy eyes and since like most men love arose in his heart as an accompaniment to the satisfaction process of digestion he gave her a peculiarly sensual smile i say grace don't you think you could come away for a weekend somewhere oh i couldn't risk it it would be too dangerous not if you go somewhere quiet it would be a penal her heart beat quickly and under those handsome lazy eyes she felt a curious defiance. His hand rested on the table, large, soft, and smooth, and the sight of it sent through her an odd thrill, past going up to the north to speak next month. She said, that's our chance, isn't it? The risk fascinated her, and the whim for Reggie grew on a sudden to an ardent passion for which she was willing to venture all things. I say, I've got an idea she whispered with sparkling eyes. Let's go to Rochester. Don't you remember? Basil Kent spoke of it the other day. I could easily say I was going down to see the view or whatever it is. I believe it's a dull hole and nobody goes there but Americans. All right, he said. They'll do A1. Now we must be getting off. Call for the bill. Mrs. Castilian felt for her pocket. Then, throwing back her head, gave a little shrill of laughter what's the matter i've forgotten my purse you have to pay after all would you mind fortunately the major gave me a fiver this morning he answered without enthusiasm and when he doled out the shining sovereigns added to himself by jove i'll punish her for this some time arriving at the theatre they found lady paperlay was not yet come and since they did not know the number of her box were obliged to wait in the entrance They waited for nearly half an hour, during which Mrs. Castilian grew every moment more peevish. It's perfectly disgusting and awfully rude of her, she cried for the tenth time. I wish I hadn't come, and I wish to goodness you wouldn't stand there looking bored. Can't you say something to amuse me? I should have thought you could wait for a few minutes without getting into a beastly temper. I shall take care to serve that woman as she has served me. I suppose she's eating somewhere with her wretched men. Why don't you pay for the box so that we can go in? Why should I? They've asked us, and we must hang about till they choose to turn up. If you cared for me the least bit, you wouldn't refuse to do things I asked you. If you ask for something reasonable, I do it. Reggie had a very pretty little temper of his own, which his fond mother's upbringing had never taught him to restrain. And seeing that Mrs. Castilian raised with impatience, he assumed an exaggerated calm, which was far more irritating than if he had fussed or fumed. The lady to herself with sharp tongue to pierce his thick hide of indifference, and abused him roundly. In a little while, without much ado, he answered her in kind, If you're not satisfied with me, Argo, do you think you're the only woman in the world? I'm about sick of your vexenish temper good lord if this is what a married man has to put up with, God save me from marriage. They sat without speaking, and through her powder, Mrs. Castilian's cheeks glowed angrily. But when at length Lady Paperlake appeared, accompanied by a strapping youth with military airs, Mrs. Castilian greeted her with smiles and soft words, vowing that they had only that very moment arrived. Reggie, less accustomed to the ways of polite society, could not conceal his ill-humour and shook hands in sulky silence. After the performance, Reggie put Mrs. Castilian into a cab, but he would not shake hands. And there was the malevolent scowl on his handsome face which singularly disturbed her. For what at first had seemed but a passing fancy was now unaccountably changed into a desperate passion. She had the soul of a trollop. And for years had flirted more or less seriously with one man after another, but it was chiefly admiration she sought, and someone to go about with her and pay for little extravagances. And though several had taken the matter in earnest, she always kept her head and was careful to drop them when they grew troublesome. But now, driving away alone, there was a dull and hungry pang in her heart. She was tormented by the anger of those handsome eyes and remembered sorrowfully the hurried kiss he had given her the day before in the cab supposing he doesn't come back she whispered with a painful sob, she was a little frightened also knowing herself in the power of a desolate selfish boy who cared nothing for her any woman would have served his purpose as well for she saw with bitter clearness that he was merely death by her wealth and her diamonds He liked to die at her house, and it pleased his vanity to embrace a woman in expensive clothes, but she had not the temperament to make a fight for freedom, and gave herself up to this love weakly, careless into what a beast of shame and misery led. Going to her room, she wrote a pitiful letter to Reggie, and those with whom in time past, she had cruelly played, seeing this utter abasement might have felt abundantly revenged. Don't be angry with me, darling. I can't bear it. I love you with all my heart and soul. I'm sorry that I was horrid this evening, but I couldn't help it, and I would try to keep my temper. Write and say you forgive me, because my head is throbbing and my heart is aching for you. I love you, I love you, I love you. Grace. She folded the letter, and was about to put it in an envelope, when an idea crossed her mind, for all her flippancy, Mrs. Castilian had a good deal of observation. It had not escaped her notice that Reggie hated to spend money. She went to a drawer and took out a ten-pound note, which with a postscript she enclosed. I'm sorry I had in my purse tonight, and I've only got this note here. Please take what I owe you out of it, and with the change you might buy yourself a tie I wanted to give you a little present, but I am afraid of getting something you won't like. Please say you are not cross with me for asking you to see about it yourself. The youth read the letter with indifference, but when he came to the last lines, blushed, for his mother had instilled into him certain rules of honour, and against his will, he could not escape the notion that it was the most discreditable thing possible to accept money from a woman. For a moment he felt sick with shame, but the note was crisp and clean and inviting. His fingers itched. His first impulse was to send it back, and he sat down at his writing table. But when he came to put the note in an envelope, he hesitated and looked at it again. After all, what with the dinner and tea yesterday? She owes me a good deal of it, and I shall spend it on her if I keep it she's so rich, it means nothing to her. Then he had an inspiration. I'll put the balance on the horse, and if it comes in, I'll give her the tenor back. If it doesn't, well, it's not my fault. He pocketed the note. End of chapter 9